0: DJ Simulationistas, sup? You're here with Dan Raymer and...
1: Janice Palaganis. what's up, Dan?
0: Not much. Should we change sup? our
1: name to what's up instead of sup? No way. Sup <laughs> with but, that? Because then we'd have to change our hats and our jackets and everything else. I've got this burning question now that I just really, I want to bounce off of you because... It's been really bothering me. Preview, I think we are doing introductions to simulations wrong. And I want to challenge that <laughs> the way we're currently uh, doing it. So here's the deal. My son, as you know, has taught himself piano. Yes. And very I, impressive. And I have I have told him because he's just a self-learner, like, you know, he's just kind of an adult learner in his Kid way, I basically said because I didn't want to stifle his interest. I said, "Okay, when you get serious about this, just let me know if you want a teacher, and we can find you a teacher." So a couple months ago, he said, "I think it's time." You know, it's, he's been teaching himself for like a year and a half now, and he's like, "I think it's time. I want a teacher." So I'm like, "All right, let's find a teacher." We find we find him this great teacher, seemingly great, and. I have a clip of when he first met his new teacher which was a few weeks ago and his teacher is a professor at Berkeley School of Music and also works at the New England Conservatory. I was blown away at the way this guy taught him. I mean and it was just his first lesson it was literally just an assessment and it just is mind-blowing because I think We in simulation are doing, are taking very traditional approaches in what we think to be ways to establish psychological safety. And I feel like I saw him do it in 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to unpack that. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I observed being in the room. And I'd like to apply it to simulation, particularly pre-briefing and introductions to new courses that we do in in simulation. So we walk in, and the first thing he says to Jaden is, um, how do you learn? And so Jaden says, "I, I pick a song that I really like. I listen to it. I listen to it a few times. And he goes, okay, okay. And then he's like, okay. And then I go to the keyboard. And he's like, but tell me what you see when you listen to it. And he says, well, I see the key that they're in, that they're playing. And then he's like, okay, and then what? And he's like, so then I can visualize where it is on the keyboard. And then I start putting my fingers on the keyboard. So he asks him to break down the way he learns. Uh So then he says, okay, well, are you pitch perfect? And my son's like, I don't think so. He's like, okay, well, turn around. And he starts playing notes. And he's asking my son to say, you know, like what note it is. And, you know, he gets a few wrong or whatever. And then he goes, all right, well, just play a song for me, anything that you've learned. So my son son starts playing um, Sunday Morning by Maroon 5, and it's got, like, this jazz swing to it. And he says he lets him play the whole thing and he says, "Okay, well, you've got, you know, some technical things like I see that your brain's working a little faster than your fingers. And, you know, we can work on the tech. And that's because of the way that you're placing your fingers. We can work on the technical things and that'll make you faster and keep up with what you're thinking. And he's like, so let's just do an exercise let's just play together you start playing he's like I think you're close to pitch perfect I want you to listen to what I do and then jump in when you want to jump in and then we'll kind of just go back and forth so I'm going to play for you a clip of this interaction and then I'll I'll break down why I thought it was so interesting so, Dan, what you're seeing here is there are two pianos side by side. Just because our listeners can't see this video, I'm going to try to describe it. And then Jaden's on one piano, the teacher's on the other. You see them kind of going back and forth. I think it's pretty recognizable who, um, when the teacher's playing and then when Jaden's playing. But they pretty much go back and forth about four times playing different improv scales in whatever keynote the, the teacher's leading them into. The other thing that I think is really Interesting is not only is he is the teacher modeling during this video um, how to do improv, just kind of messing around within the keynote and what key to go to, but he's really enthusiastic, and you could see Jaden kind of becoming enthusiastic with it. and And I just the whole experience was amazing because I felt like Jaden left; he was already motivated to play. He left that session even more inspired from just 20 minutes with this one guy so here you go So it was very interesting because he allowed Jaden to go and, you know, start playing his own song. He jumps in and he starts, um, they both start playing this foundation together, like the, the baseline of the music. And I thought it was interesting just watching them because they were like, they were speaking a language without talk. Like just, there was a lot of back and forth, like there was a lot of nonverbals, and they were listening to what they were each playing. And then yeah. what I thought was really interesting was he would play some improv and then he would do like, let's say a 16 count. And then he would just kind of go back to the baseline, almost like a little pause. And Jaden would just know when to jump in. Uh-huh. And then Jaden would go ahead and do his own improv. And then he was like non-verbally pushing Jaden. He would do like a harder improv scale and then Jaden would do it. And then he just kept going. And then what you saw the clip was he did the most complex improv in his Uh scale. And then it pushed Jaden to do what he could like the best of his ability, which I thought was really interesting because Jaden didn't even know he could do that. And And I could see, like, when Jaden first started, he was like completely uncomfortable. But then, like, enjoying it and looking at what he's doing. So to me, what was really interesting was okay. So after he pushes him to the to Jaden's limit, he realizes okay, this is a little beyond what Jaden can do, and he takes it back down. And then Jaden does another improv, and then they end. And I thought it was interesting because a few things that I saw were that he was playing along. And the role of modeling is so important. And modeling and participating in the simulation at the same time. So a few things that I want to discuss is, I don't know how he did it, but within five minutes, he got Jaden to do some pretty high-stakes practice with him. He's on the spotlight. He's alone. The second thing he did was he... Practice alongside him. So why do we put our our students in simulations without us in there? Because typically in the clinical environment, we'd be in the room with them. Why why are we behind the mirror? And the third is why do we have to talk? Like there was so much involved in just the first like 10 minutes of their interaction that was not any there was no verbal. And they were in action. He was like pushing Jaden. And why aren't we doing that? I mean, we're supposed to be really experiential. I mean, we go around the room. We spend like an hour in tr- introducing each other.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I think there's some really interesting pieces to this. And I certainly don't claim to know the answers. I suspect that there are probably lots of ways to develop psychological safety. The thing that I saw that I really liked was the learner-centric nature of it, asking him how he learns. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we don't do. I suspect that people will, you know, there'll be a range of responses to a question like that, some of which will be useful, some of which will be just the the response of a baffled person who's never been asked a question like that.
1: <laughs> and then plus, I think the variety of teaching a class of like 20, how do you yeah. do the even ground? So-
0: so I think a a good analogy to this is something that I've been experimenting with, which is my surgical classes, bringing people in and starting off the class with a exercise of, of what cases would you like to do today? And I've done it with a menu. So the pain medicine courses I've been doing, I start off with, you know, here's a list of potential crises that could happen in pain medicine, which would you like to practice today?
1: Choose your own adventure.
0: Choose your own adventure. (laughs) And I think it's, you know, in my mind, it's an attempt to make things more Uh learner-centric. Because if somebody comes in and says, you know, I've never seen you know, anaphylaxis, or I've never seen an MI happen in my, you know, in my practice, uh, and I really want to practice that. I really want to learn more about it. It's going to enhance the learning, and it's certainly going to make them more comfortable because they feel like they have control. As it turns out, people always pick the things that I was going to do anyway. (laughs) And so far, I haven't had to stretch myself very far to meet their needs and their requests. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I feel a little bit dishonest in doing it because I know the answer before I ask the question. (laughs) But I do think it serves the purpose of handing the control to the learner.
1: Absolutely. And I think it adds to your credibility that... Like, I think we both Jaden and I were amazed that this guy could just start playing this song like Jaden chose the song. And if you let them choose and you basically show you're putting your credibility there, like I I could do any of these and then you're doing it with them, the one that they choose. I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that, you know, that a trend in that direction is certainly appropriate and that finding ways to hand the control to the learner to make the education more learner-centric develops the psychological safety very early on.
1: I agree. And I think it's because of all the things, like if you look at psychological safety and you break down like a, you know, concept analysis of psychological safety, a lot of it is like mutual respect, establishing your own credibility. You're doing that all within just by being learner centric. Basically, you're listening and going, you're trying to understand their needs. You're putting them first. And and I think that in itself in just a few seconds can create the psychological safety.
0: Now, of course, there's a big difference between this situation and one I think has to be cautious about carrying the analogy too far. So in Jaden's case, he's interested enough in learning from a teacher to have come back to you and said, yeah, mom, I want to do this. Uh Whereas some of the surgery teamwork (laughs) courses that I teach, some of the participants uh, feel like they've been sent there as uh, <laughs> like being sent to the gulag or something right and that uh that this is completely against their will oh yeah and, and i'm
1: thinking of in too, too like when when they when they get called into a sim and they don't realize it's a sim and the first thing they do when they see the mannequins roll their eyes <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. So what's interesting is that the pain courses where I've been experimenting with handing the control to the learners, uh, they're, they're all repeat customers. So our pain service has come for crisis simulations on a a yearly basis or a bi-yearly basis for many years now. And so I know them all and they've done this before and they've all said that they really appreciate it. And so they're willing participants. It's a little bit hard For me to imagine, though I haven't tried it, giving control to our unwilling participants because I fear that they would all get up and leave. (laughs) If I'm in charge of this, I'd rather not do it. See you later.
1: (laughs) Well, so I think that's the other thing. I think it was the swiftness of jumping into an activity, whereas we often and we promote having some sort of pre-brief where everybody's sitting there and. And I just you know, and there're you know, I've seen centers, and I've done it myself, where as soon as they come in, they go into a simulation. Maybe that is the right way is is getting them straight into a team activity, but there is artifact that makes it difficult, and I think the fact that faculty are not in the room with them that we just ask them to go in, like
0: so I want to push back I want to push back on that because I'm just really, really wondering how. Practical that is. So you're a clinician and I'm not, and so me being in the room with them as a participant is sometimes difficult. Although I've done that, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I'm not sure that it really is
1: sure helpful. I, okay, you're right. And usually, when you're doing, let's say, in situ simulations, you're doing it with people that work there that would be in the room and and i get that we have um embedded simulated practitioners that are in the room and that sort of thing and and i think that role is so important in terms of engagement and helping helping push them you know we talk a lot about that role being a facilitator of the simulation it's also modeling it's not just facilitation i think you need to model some skills that you want them to learn and push them you know within the simulation
0: yeah i suspect that we don't do enough uh modeling in our particular applications uh, i'm sure that some people do do that and i think having videos of g- of good performances or reenacting good performances is an element that people should consider putting in their simulations. I'm a great believer of putting all of the learners in a simulation together right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when I first learned to do um, simulation, you know, hundreds of years ago, I learned from people who had this concept of a hot seat. <laughs> Did they do
1: it with dinosaurs too?
0: Yeah, like, yeah. We, time? We'd have dinosaurs in the room, and you know, you know, clubs, and and people would pull each other's hair. But uh, uh, we would always have a person in the hot seat, and they would be the first. Kind of victim, and it was always really difficult on yeah. them, because their performance it was the first time, and so their performance got picked apart, and uh they were used as an example and then, for you know various reasons, we wound up doing a case where everyone went into the room at once, and we found the day went better
1: uh-huh. <laughs>
0: and I began to appreciate the value of having all of your colleagues in the same boat together yeah and people learning from each other because people bring into the case their own skills and expertise and there's a camaraderie and a you know and a teamwork that occurs when you have multiple participants in together, and so I think that that's a a little bit of an analogous situation to to the point you're making about Jaden and his teacher, where yeah have having the experts in the room together um seems to help I just think it's interesting because
1: in in our day, I would even say the last like five years as we've discussed this, the reason we tend not to do that is because of psychological safety. We feel like that puts psychological safety at risk to just ask people to jump in. And so then we develop these whole pre brief things and we an introduction and and I'm just starting to think that, you know, breaking the ice of of just Going in there working as a team, but the, it has to be done right in terms of, and I think by right, I mean faculty going in there with them. And I think it solves a lot of our problems in terms of engagement and realism. If the faculty's with them and is acting, you know, taking care of the patient as though it's real, you're solving some of that realism and engagement issues that we see a lot in simulation.
0: Yeah, uh, it's such a conundrum. I know I've had many, many examples where my pre-brief, my introduction has been inadequate and I get lots of strong negative feedback afterwards. You should have showed me where everything was. You should have (laughs) done this and you should have, we should have, you know, talked about this beforehand and I didn't know who I was or where I was and I didn't know what I was supposed to do and, you know, you know, it can really be be a a disaster. I've also had the opposite experience where I have done it by the book and done this beautiful pre-brief. And I think I'm being totally transparent and honest with them. I once had a guy stop me at the end of the pre-brief and say, you know, I wasn't nervous. Until you just told me all that stuff, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> and, and, it's probably in that know, one because I remember. It, it is such a conundrum because if you if you spend the time to be transparent and honest and trying so hard to create psych- psychological safety, you scare the pants off of people. That's not helpful either,
1: right? And and I think we've been spending our time really trying to craft the scripting for pre-brief, and I think now we should start shifting to how to spend the time crafting a simulation experience for psychological safety, not so much the pre-briefing. So here's my thought is... You know, in college, I, I took a team-based learning course, and I just remember, I thought it was kind of hypocritical when you go around the room, and, and we do this in a lot of our courses, and you ask people to introduce themselves. That's actually, you know, we do that for psychological safety because we want people to introduce themselves, yet that is risky for psychological safety because I don't know about you, but when I'm in a room full of people that I don't know, if the person right next to me is introducing themselves, I'm not really listening because I'm worried about what I'm going to say. And and so the risk is high there too, right? So your anxiety right. is high there too. And so- In team-based learning, what they teach you is if you go in, let's say you do like a marshmallow game, you do some sort of team-based and you're kind of releasing the pressure in the room and then you introduce yourselves, you're actually decreasing that risk of anxiety and that sort of thing because you've already gotten to know each other in a very informal way. And then Uh now you can introduce each other. And so I'm just thinking maybe we have it reversed. Maybe Uh we do like a very, you know, low risk sim with the faculty in there, get them engaged. And then then you can jump to some sort of pre-briefing.
0: So so the so-called icebreaker concept that you break the ice with some sort of activity and then you take the time to formally introduce each other. I like that idea. Certainly something uh, uh, that, that would be fun to try. I just can't help but think that the discussion we're having is such a universal one because, like most things in life, the rules don't always apply. <laughs> and, and the activity is an art, not a science. And so however you do it, the art of doing it that way, you learn to do to, to optimize the outcome. Uh-huh. And so I suspect that you could be very, um, uh, you know, transparent and clear and uh, force people to introduce themselves and and wind up with a successful result. And you could Also, wind up with a successful result by throwing everyone in the pool, uh, and uh, you know, having them half drown and pull them out of the water, and everybody's uh, now a lifelong friend, and and everything in between. And so, I I, I just really hesitate to think that there are, you know, laws of physics here. Well, I don't think,
1: and I I agree. I agree, and I I just I want to challenge our field. To start thinking about the things that we say in pre-briefing to, mo- to try to model it in simulation instead. So for example, the fiction contract. What we try to do is as real as possible. Well, why don't you just go in the simulation and act as though it's real? Because rather than asking them to act as though it's real, go in with them, act as though yeah. it's real, and, you know, every just take every little piece of a pre-briefing and see if you could put it into action and, and see how that turns out and come back to us and let us know
0: I think you're onto something and you're you know we're constantly discovering and rediscovering and uh when I first started in simulation back a 100 years ago with with uh, the dinosaurs wagons the dinosaurs (laughs) um uh we used to spend four hours doing the introduction Uh uh-huh and it was painful. We'd show videos. We'd do introductions. We'd go on tours. We'd show everyone everything in every drawer. We'd let them (laughs) touch everything. We'd let them get to know each other. And uh, I just found that it was painful. We'd often get the the comment that the introduction was too too long Long. why why didn't we do (laughs) more cases and so i went to the other extreme being a a, you know a a rebellious type as you know uh and so i started off simulations and in five minutes we were doing the first case and i figured people would you know learn you know as you're saying they would become comfortable from the experience Uh and uh you know, occasionally that worked better. I thought, but occasionally people would, you know, spend yeah. the next several hours complaining about how they didn't get a fair introduction, <laughs> and so and it's so,
1: it's it, and it's learning styles too, and all, the variety that of people yeah. that you get, you just don't know what works for people. But I thought you would appreciate this, Dan, because I feel like I'm the person that won't let anybody. Um, decrease the amount of time of introductions because I've learned the hard way that if I miss anything in the introductions, it happens, and then I realize I didn't say it in introductions. And yeah. now I'm starting to really um, change my thinking. I think we could do it in action without having to use words. Yeah. Law And makes a, that intro so long.
0: But your point is a great one, that for some people... That would work really well and for some other people it wouldn't work so well at all and so somehow we have to use our our professional judgment to decide how much do these people and this person actually need and how can I read them and how can I tell when they're comfortable enough and all of those sorts of things so yeah I I'm with you I I have this uh, uh, experience that tells me that less is more. I, but I appreciate I, this. But I do it with, <laughs> with, with some caution because I also have been burned by leaving something out and people feel like I tricked them. I didn't tell but them. But see,
1: this is what I'm saying. I think if, if you were in the case with them as if you were the learner as well, I think that could alleviate it.
0: Yeah, just be careful about that because some people feel like that's really unsafe. Oh, you're just in the simulation. You know what's going to happen right. and you're just here to show me up or no, I get to it. And then trick me or, Well, not only
1: that there, you're confusing them about your role cuz Yeah. But I yeah. think I think if you if you are in there and you're experiencing and making mistakes at the same time or you're pushing them to do I don't know. I don't know, we'd have to talk more about it.
0: So how come I feel after all this discussion that we haven't solved all the problems of the world?
1: No, because how, how we come? want our listeners to. They're going to go ah, solve good. all the problems. They're going to do research around this. And then they're going to let the whole field know.
0: So, so I, <laughs> I'm hoping that some of our listeners will take one of our courses and then give us some feedback about whether we're doing it right. Work, work, <laughs> Intro work.
1: is too long. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Janice and Dan didn't figure it out on their podcast. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 All right, Janice. All right, thanks, It's been really Jan. nice talking to you, and I'm very proud of your son. I think uh, what he's done is uh, really quite amazing. I'm always in awe of people with uh, musical talent like, <laughs> like your son and like I know you have as well, so uh, Aww, that's very you. cool. DJ Simulationistas, sup, is brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation, Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedicine.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.